Welcome to the Dogs, your fortnightly dose of greyhound racing interviews, insights, and a whole lot more. With your hosts, Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Welcome to episode 25 of Gone to the Dogs. As always, I am Danny Jackson and my co-pilot is... Joe Andrews, and I'm feeling a lot better than you today, Danny, that's for sure. (laughs) Not hard. But we've also got some special guests. The first of those is one of the Keneally brothers. Brothers, Don't know if he's the best one, but it's Ryan because he was available. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right. Thank you for those such kind words. Actually, nicer than normal. To be fair to you, but yeah, I, I I got the call up for this one. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, those that don't know, my brother Joseph uh, and his partner have just had a baby daughter, uh, Remy. So yes, so really congratulations to them. Uh, and that yeah. is why though you are left with me today. And Joe, who else we got? Got Lofty. He's back. Lofty, how you doing? Yeah, not so bad, Joe. You back by popular or unpopular demands. Probably rather like Ryan. I was the only person available that could get up at quarter past <laughs> quarter past nine in the morning. So they've got Quite me back, all. yeah, after the derby and uh, and what have you. And we had some great fun previewing the derby with our your good uh, good pair and um, Barry Cool. But yeah, me today again. So you yeah, look forward to having a good old uh, good old rant and look back and maybe even some of the highlights as well from last year. There were a few of them and they weren't just in my hair. <laughs> No, they were all in mine. Uh, Right, we had, Joe, didn't we, a wish list from our very, very first podcast last year. Um, I wanted less sprints, more staying races, a resurgence of hurdle races, and I know that I wanted us to be number one in a chart somewhere. Now, the chart, we're creeping. We're creeping up it. I think our highest has been 19, Joe, is it this year? No, no, we've we've got in the top 10 at some point. During the derby, yeah, during the derby we with the previews, we got in the top 10. I think we might have peaked at eight. So uh, it's not bad for a little, you know, for a niche sport like ours. We did well, to be fair. For a brand new podcast. It's more than what others, it's it's more than what others are doing, you two. So please keep up the good work, by the way. Thanks. Oh, we intend to. That's nice. That's why we invited you on. (laughs) <laughs> yes, Mike. Yes, Mike. Can, like, <laughs> can I take credit for that? Getting to one of the Derby podcasts, getting the number eight with me being on there. Maybe, yeah, exactly. maybe Barry Cole's got a big family, and they'll listen in. I dare say. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, on the um, uh, subject of less sprints, more staying races. I don't think I've got my wish with less sprints, but more staying races. I think the mar- marathon scene's having a bit of a resurgence, um, which is good news because it should. It's a um, they're just exciting races especially when you've got you know the top class marathon runners so very happy about that and and then I know the trying about with hurdles that's just one of my my absolute loves I love hurdle racing Crayford are great hove of a trying we'll get there Joe what did you have on your wish list well I I wanted all competition draws to be streamed live Um, and obviously if the competition's already started do the draw after racing please the owners and trainers are likely to be there the trainers almost certainly, owners probably. And even if they're not, we want to watch it online. Some Again, some tracks do this. They do it well. Others don't. Well, why can't we see the draw stream live? It, you know, I'm not saying these draws are bent far from it, but, you know, there would be no questions on integrity at all if we could see it. It's a, it's a nice spectacle. Um, you know, it's good for the for the for the fans to see. But it's not. Yeah, is it a good spectacle? A bit of paper being drawn out of a bag, maybe not. But you know, people want to see the draw 
and and it's good for the anti-post betting as well. People, you know, the bookies can get their markets up. People can discuss it. Um, I don't think anything much has changed here because there were certain tracks doing it before that are still doing it, and there's others that weren't that aren't. Um, it's really disappointing. I can't. It's just again, it seems like something so easy and simple, but I don't know why it's not happening. Waiting, the... waiting Monday, Monday for a draw for something that's happened on Friday. I just. It's like it always makes me laugh. It's like when they say the draw is going to be sent to the GBGB to do. It's you know we did the draw for your your final at Oxford tomorrow. Obviously, this will go out later, but you know the the Challenge Cup final. Uh, it was just done after racing. Simply go up to the office. You've got to draw six dogs out. It's not difficult, is it? You know you put a railer in one, you put the wide dog in six, and the middles you know filter in, and it, it's easy to do. So. What's that got to go to the GBGB for to be done? And like you say, Nottingham and I think Romford certainly do it to some extent now and streamer draws Hove. after. But that hope. But they used to do every single cat one draw was done. I've seen a recall doing it in the sort of um, GBGB offices and you'd see it on their website and it'd be the, the cat one draw for Bill whatever is now being streamed live. And I don't know if you remember, it was the, the board fella who worked for the GBGB and he used to get his little box out with his webcam above the above the uh, the drum and he'd get his little Kinder Egg things would come out, wouldn't they? Like 48 or 32 little Kinder Egg things and draw them out of the thing and pop them home. And that was a draw. And it was so simple. It was low budget, but it worked fine. And they just stopped it. I mean, you know... <laughs> Why do they stop it? I mean, like we said earlier, one, like, you know, do they lose the lose the Kinder Egg things? I mean, you know, Mark Moisey, get, get a Kinder Egg sponsorship, Mark. It's quite simple, you know. This draw sponsored by Kinder Eggs. There we go. And there's 48 dogs drawing that. And it's just it's just easy. And I mean, we're not saying about the dog agree. We're not saying about the integrity of it, because you know, the integrity is perfectly there. And if you get a joy that night, you can just take your dog out off colour anyway, but <clears throat> I won't mention anything about that. Um, <laughs> but look, it's just, it's it's there, isn't it? And it's straightforward and some tracks do it and it's not difficult. And, you know, it is the 21st century. So, uh, so yeah, so that's not really improved. Happy days. And moving on, this hasn't improved either, Danny. Um, trial stream live or failing that, replays of the trials. Like we can't, there's a camera at every track Get your phone out. If you can't stream them live for whatever reason, I don't see why you can't. At least record them and show them afterwards so owners can watch and see how their dogs trialed. You know, the trialing is just as important and sometimes just as exciting as a race because if you've got a pup, you want to see their time. You know, if you've got a dog coming back from injury or whatever or grading on, you want to see how they've done. I think I think it's a bit of a disgrace, really, that we can't see that our dogs trial um, online after in this day and age. You know, I think a lot of this is like... We're mo- we're in the 21st century and ground racing's in the 19th century and it's not really moved forward and we're another year on from what we what we asked for and stuff that seems relatively easy mm-hmm. and it still hasn't happened. I think Hove did. Hove still did. Hove definitely did yeah, it. When yeah, my, yeah, my dog was trying over hurdles, so that was brilliant from Hove when he was trying yeah. over the hurdles for three four weeks. You were able to watch every single race back. It'll yeah, be Hove's on YouTube within 20, 20 minutes after the trial session. Right, spot on. Spot on. Yeah. If he can't do it live. A recording's great. We just want to, you know, we just want to see it. Sorry, Lofty, go on. No, I'll say, yeah, Romford put them up as well. I know Sheffield do. Um, I think Nottingham do as well, actually. One more yeah. certainly do. I've had a couple of dogs trying around Monmore and they certainly uh, put the trials up as well. So, you know, tracks do do it. So we know Sheffield do. Kingsley uh, do as well, but until recently, because I got a tweet from someone saying they haven't done it for two weeks. So I was like, oh, I will ask them. But they've been doing it as well. I, so... won't, mention, I won't mention anyone in particular, but there's probably a bit of a theme going on here with tracks that don't do these kind of things. So <laughs> tracks that do. So yeah, take that what you want. Take that, take that however you like as a theme. 
Uh, moving swiftly on uh, then, Ryan, We uh, the last one I said, and this comes up all the time, we talk about it on every other podcast, is better promotion of big competitions and events. Now, I think I have seen some slight improvements here, certainly tracks using social media, um, GBGB themselves, their social media activities certainly improved over the last few months. The promotion of the big competitions, is it there where, you know, we want it to be? Absolutely not. And there's a lot of work to do. And again, you know, I think I mentioned it before. I think the GBGB is desperate for a role like Sarah Kinsella is is doing now. That is exactly what is needed to promote the sport. Someone, you know, in that position working for the G. Don't rely on the promoters. Get someone in the GBGB to promote the sport and work with the tracks and do what needs to be done. Well, they are, aren't they? We spoke to Mark on the podcast and he said that is in the pipeline for 2024. So they're just putting the job brief together as far as I know. And then hopefully we will have a Sarah Kinsella, which which we need. Although I, I just want to clone her, quite frankly. I think she's absolutely fantastic. So if we could clone Sarah and bring her over here, that would that would suit well, us down to even, the ground. Even with Sarah, it's just, it's just using somebody who's so passionate about the sport. There's so many people passionate about the sport. That's why we're having... We're on the cutting on this podcast now and recording mm. this because we're passionate about it. we're not doing it for our own gain. We're all passionate about the sport. There are so many people like Sarah, and it's just about using them and making oh, yeah, it's it's so easy, it's so simple. One thing I will say as well is um since being on uh, Sky Sports Racing from the start of the year to the end of this year, there has been a big difference in the coverage of the racing that I've personally been at the track for and at the beginning of the year you know we'd potentially not show a race because of American racing UK racing French racing whatever horse racing obviously um but now if we have I I was there for Eclipse final night and they showed every single race Uh, Tim was in the studio and he was building up to you know oh we've got the Eclipse later at Nottingham got the Eclipse later at Nottingham in my mind that wouldn't have happened in January February time because the presenters kind of went, oh, Greyhounds, okay, great. So they had to learn on the job as well. We had to do a lot more on the track and it slowly has become a feature rather than a shoehorn uh, event in like a, a virtual race or whatever. They, they are focusing more on what is coming up and they do, especially if it's a big final from my experience, uh, they are definitely showcasing it. So I think I think we're getting there. I think we are certainly that was, different channels are getting there. That was probably one of the disappointments. So of when Sky Racing did um, restart showing racing, actual the level of coverage and really uh, how much they actually seemed interested. I think I think most people have been disappointed in that when they start began to watch that. It was a bit like just a bit of an afterthought and just a content filler as such. Yeah. So hearing hearing you say that, I, I, and I have actually been watching the big nights on Sky. It, it has improved immensely. Uh, just hopefully it can continue with that into the next year. I know they've got big plans, obviously. So yeah, hopefully it's onwards and upwards to understand because yeah, the big nights need sporting showcasing, but the big nights in particular need showcasing. Well, on that, Ryan, I was a bit underwhelmed by the press release that came out about PGR and what they're doing. The devil will be in the detail, but to me, and I could be completely wrong, it sounded like it's just a betting shop channel behind the red button. You know, what I want 
and hope and and they have been doing it Danny you're right the cover like you said with the eclipse is showcasing the big events on the main channel having presenters you know talking about talking about the race and doing previews but also creating content up to big events you know RPG TV gets some sticks sometimes but they've got people in the studio and a guest talking about the racing previewing it before racing they'll do they'll do previews of events they'll do kennel visits and all this sort of thing you know, all that's important because what you don't want to do is just hide it behind a red button. And, you know, we're all Greyhound racing fans. We know how to watch every race anyway, don't we? You know, that's not an issue. We know how to watch racing when, you know, when our dog's running. What you want is it presented properly, uh, you know, in the studio, people chatting about it and, and, and creating something engaging to get new fans and hopefully cross-sell horse racing fans that are watching Sky Sports Racing over to the, the Greyhound stuff. And, like... I'm sure that they'll be doing that, but that didn't come across to me in the in the press release that I read. They are, I think, starting at a level, a base level, and then all they're going to do is build on it, as far as I know. So I think I think we're going to be in a good place come end of 2024. Um, I think we're going to be in a great place, to be fair, as long as, obviously, everything goes to plan. But I think instead of launching for the stars first and then being disappointed, I think they're starting at the baseline and they're going to build on it throughout the year because they've already said, you know, not not everything is fixed in stone. The schedule's not fixed in stone because they're just going to see how it works and see if some tracks want an earlier start. And, you know, the Fridays and Saturdays when they're, they've got the um, few... Um, meetings that won't be shown you know on in shops or whatever they're doing they are going to rejig the times potentially because people are crying out for later times so they're going to have some that are starting earlier because the tracks have requested it they're going to have some that are starting later because they're just doing a bit of an experiment so it's got a lot of flexibility from what I can gather and it's not just this is how it is bang done which is good in my opinion well We'll wait with bated breath and hopefully, you know, see what happens. And I, I get that as well. But I was just, as I said, I was just a bit underwhelmed by the press release because we've all been waiting to see what they're going to do. Um, and, and you know, it's sort of sad. Like it's going to be the betting shop channel behind the red button, basically. So, well, and if it, you know, if it starts out, that's fine. I understand. Let's, let's hope that they showcase the sport. And it is a fantastic opportunity to cross-sell Greyhound Racing to, you know, to, to, to horse racing fans and, and anyone else. And another thing I've seen as well is, because um, obviously I get the rotor for who's going where to do the commentaries. We've obviously got a few different tracks in January and we seem to have kicked up a little bit as well. We've got a few more days and afternoons and things that people are going to be on Sky Sports Racing. So it seems to have, it seems like they're going to start as they mean to go on. Good. That's good news. On that bombshell, Danny and everyone else, shall we go to our performances of 2023? Now, yeah. I think it's fair to say it's been a it's been a great year for for Cat One competition. We've got some fantastic dogs around. We've had some brilliant competitions. Um, Lofty, do you want to start? What's been your standout performance or performances of 2023? Funny enough, both mine. I think I crossed the gates of Shelbourne Park uh, four times last year, and and both of them were actually singing in Ireland. Um, this is a British racing podcast, Lofty. Do apologise, but there we go. <laughs> 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 no, 
dogs, I'm sure. Dogs, you will definitely see in the UK, I'm sure, anyway. But um, no, but I mean, I just, you know, I'm not on about the stand and the race over there, but certainly a couple of the Irish races. I mean, Delardy Daru uh, managed to pick up Battle of Kill Elf in the uh, first round of the Puppy Derby on the, the night before the, the Irish Grand Derby final. That was just the most ridiculous run. I mean, uh, you see a dog come from sort of six off the pace dogs like that. And and the bitch, who I think will be a massive runner if she comes over here in for the English Derby or maybe if it stays for the Irish Derby, uh, Jupy's Mandolin of, uh, of Rob Gleason's. Mm. That run on night at Stars Final was absolutely breathtaking. It was almost like she'd been parachuted in at the second bends. I mean, Rafdan Molly, who, she, who she's picked up, you see her in the back straight. Rafdan Molly, she's broke 21 seconds round Dundalk. I mean, you know, she's no mug at all. And then down the back straight, she's just taken six lengths out of her, just gone straight past her. It was just... You don't often look at a dog and think, wow, that was breathtaking. And that that run genuinely was. And she's really exciting. I mean, Eddie has brought a few dogs over before Robert Gleeson. I'd love to see him bring her over to the uh, to the English Derby if, you know, obviously with season breaks and all that. You never know with the ladies when they're going to sort of break in the season. Um, but, yeah, she's uh, she's spectacular. She's a really, really exciting one to watch. And so hopefully she'll, she'll bring them over here. There's been some great UK performances as well. I must admit, I loved the match races last year. They were absolutely brilliant. Mm. People say about match races, and we'll come onto the wish list. And I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of these match race competitions they have in Australia and talk about. But the two proper match races last year, or ignore the fact they had a couple of D2s at Toasted it were matches and a couple <laughs> of other tracks that you know turned up into matches on the graded. But you know, the one on Derby night, the uh, the new Destiny Marie Champion one, and the the Romford. I mean, the nine the nine two five one at Romford. And I thought it would be a complete mismatch. It was tremendous over 925. And it goes to prove you get the right dogs in the matches and you know, the crowds will stay and watch them and, and, and they're tremendous efforts. So, yeah, both the match bets also, but the match race. How was your turnover last day? You know what? Derby, Derby Farm or night, that was a crazy, that match. A guy a guy come up, about six and a half thousand to four on with me, um, Marie, <laughs> Marie, Marie Champion. So I've gone to work on the other one and, and kept landing it. And I said to the lad on the drink with me, I said, we'll almost be up to this. And we didn't quite. I think we took about about three, about three and a half grand out. And Ben come down. He's like, oh, this this match, this is a silly match race, not that. And I showed Ben the book and he was like, my word. Like that, you know, suddenly looked at it. It's like, can we have more of these? <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, the turnover on that was, was fantastic. I mean, um, I think we all saw when... Uh, James Price originally put the prices up, and I think a few people in our WhatsApp group were saying about, like, oh, you know, um, Marie Champion would be a lot shorter. And I think he put them in virtue to two, or he might have tried to make New Destiny favourite. Um, alas, I couldn't get on. It was fastest finger first, then my finger was a bit slow. But, uh, but yeah, the, the, the turnover was great. And it's definitely there for them. And then, as you say, if we come on to them later on, these sort of like match race comps they have in Australia where they had the knockouts, I mean, you can certainly get them. And, you know, the crowds, I think, would, would definitely go for them as well. So, that's something we can uh, we can certainly look at maybe later on. Absolutely, good stuff. And Ryan, mm. yourself, what what caught your eye in twenty twenty three? Maybe biased, but but in fairness, I, th- I think everyone in the sport probably says she deserves it. My performance of the year would be no rush. Uh, I'm going to give a quick mention to Space Jet. By the way, I think she won the Regent. She didn't see uh, at yeah. four years old. Uh, I think she's kind of been forgotten about now a little bit, which is a shame. But shout out to Space Jet really because at four years old, what she was doing that run of wins was just incredible to watch. So big shout out to her. Dogs like that on their own uh, promote the sport in itself. Um, but yeah, my performance of the year probably no rush. Um, unbelievable record was n- basically levelled as the nearly bitch. Uh, I think she reached six cat one, cat two finals where she'd win first round, win second semi final, second round, and then she'd absolutely flop out the uh, the traps in the final. Uh, I mean, I'm just reeling off this year. Really, she reached the final. The British Breeders at Nottingham where she lost to Romeo Command. Uh, the Brighton Bow. 
Um, she uh, got to the final of the British bread on Derby finals night, where I think Sonny Goofy won. Uh, the Sussex Cup, Candlin Monsoon. Uh, I think you had that was an unbelievable finals lineup for that for that race that she reached. Uh, and then the British Oaks, where she went head to hair, right little tussle with uh, Azora at Oxford. I think that was one of the probably races of the year, to be honest. Yeah, um, it was just an unbelievable buckle between the two. And yeah, you were kind of dreading that. Is she ever going to get it? And then yeah, she a bit like Ranger, really. He picked his big moment to win one. Uh, is that Perry Bay and the Oaks? Uh, I don't think anybody could begrudge her, really. She's probably the most consistent bitch we've had over the last two, three years. Um, running Probably wouldn't be the fastest bitch in terms of running style. She's not explosive speed, but she just got all-round pace. And, yeah, for me, she's the performance of the year, really, for 2023. I, I think you, South Danny, as well, were cheering her on. And, yeah, uh, I think she's just a full credit to Connections, Darren and Carol, Natalie, and the rest of the staff have done an unbelievable job. And credit to the owners as well. Um, yeah, so yeah, that, that was a very emotional night that was when she won that pro bar. It was. It was amazing. I mean, she was one of the ones I championed for ages, as you know. I absolutely love No Rush. And the fact that she did it on her swan song and she just went, Yeah, tonight's the night, gonna do it. Here we go. And she just she was so game. And like you say, all round speed. She wasn't flashy, but she was all round speed and she just gave her all in every single race that she ran in. And yeah, I, I had a special place in my heart for No Rush. So I'm very excited to see Rushy puppies when they come. I'm going to say that you'll have some puppies then. So a special place in your heart as well then. Um, moving forward. Yeah, that's retired. Was No Rush your favourite of the year, Danny? No Rush was one of my favourites of the year for sure. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. Um, Because she just for so long threatened to be. Mm what she showed on on Oaks Night. So, yeah, she was probably my favourite. Brady's Bullet in the Monmore Puppy Derby was also another one that I really, really enjoyed watching. Because, I can't you believe know, that, what I've seen that night. I can't I know. believe what I watched that night. I know, because everybody knows Monmore's a bit of a speed track, so you go from the front, you usually stay there, especially in the Cat 1 vinyls. And I was actually working for William Hill at the time. To We, we were all putting our opinions um, forward as to who was going to win the Monmore Puppy Derby and I was in the studio and the two lads that were that were quite into greyhounds there said uh, the other couple uh, that were in and I said Brady's bullet he's going to come from the back and he's going to sneak through and he's going to nail him on the line and then I went but it's a puppy race so actually anything could happen and you know when you go oh my god it all worked out he actually did what I expected him to do so absolutely superb the way he ran through that race was amazing and I really, really enjoyed that one. And the other one that I really thought, um, this bitch is going to be very, very good. We already knew that because she won the Oaks over in Ireland. Um, but Crafty Shavu, when she won the Empress States, she picked up Minnie Bullet. She got loads of trouble. And everyone thought, oh, maybe she's just one of those front-running bitches, maybe. She's not. She's an all-round pace. And I'm very excited to see her back on track, hopefully, in 2024. So... Those are my couple of standouts for 2023 and can't wait to see uh, Crafty Shavu when she comes back because Brady's bullet, he's obviously back on track now. No rush we're not going to see again apart from the little rushies. So she's going to have a legacy and then Crafty Shavu, we just don't know what she's uh, still capable of yet. Joe, standouts. Oh, 
apart from my dogs winning, which are all very special, of course, and of stand course. out, you've stolen my thunder a little bit because Brady's bullet for me was the perfor- standout performance of the year in the, in the Monmore Puppy Derby. You know, you've, you've already said it was a breathtaking win to come from where he did. He's obviously beaten Lynx Maverick in that final. Um, he's been one of the grounds of the year. Absolutely tremendously fast dog. One of great pal mal. Um, you know, Labrook's Gold Cup. You know, he's been a tremendous dog. Um, Coolio Gold, who's who's been winning races, um, winning opens. You know, it, it was a good final, and just the way he did it, I was there on the night, and it was just it was just a very special performance. Unfortunately, I don't. He's been had a few issues and stuff, and we've not really seen his best since, have we? Uh, no. Well, he had his tonsils out, and he also had a bit of a back problem as well. That was his issue because I know Dave Lawrence, one of his owners, so he's been keeping me up to date with what's going on. So he's had physio, he's had a few different um, little niggles, um, but he seems to be coming back. So that's the that's the good news. Well, fingers crossed he can have good a good 2024, um, you know, because he's he's obviously a ground with tremendous ability. And then um, another, just an honourable mention to probably my favourite ground in training in Britain at the moment, and that's Droopy's Clue, um, who's who's been who's been fantastic. You know that that, that led you win, winning over four bends, six bends, a really real real special ground. He'll be running. Saturday, obviously, in the, in the final at Hove, and um, you know we'll be well. He is odds on for that, isn't he? So, uh, yeah, he, he's he's just a cracking dog. Droopy's clue, very special. So, uh, yeah, shout out to him as well. But we have been lucky. There's a lot of very talented grounds at the moment. We've had some great finals, and um, you know, there's definitely. You know, we talk about we've been moaning at the start of the podcast about stuff that hasn't hasn't <laughs> hasn't happened. But um, you know, we haven't been let down by the stars, the grounds on the track this year. That's for sure. Well, I was just going to go through, you know, we had a few people from social media um, telling us who their performances of the year were. And uh, Louise Diaz has been in touch, said Law Hill Jess, Hollow Man, King Memphis. And of course, your lively Lauren Joe as well. Is in Very there. nice of Louise to say that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, we've had Romford Ryan in touch as well. He said Hollow Man. I think Hollow Man's going to get a few votes, really, because he's on what, 14 on the bounce? He's class. I mean, I should have given him a shout out as well, but Ryan said it. Hollow Man has been brilliant. What a fast ground he is. The Crayford Racing Office, of course, they're going to go with Law Hill Jess, who is, what, 20, 19 over course and distance now, isn't she? Unbeaten. It's 19. It's a ridiculous yeah. run, isn't it? I know it's especially this track, Crayford, not every dog takes to it, but it's still some run. And she's done some, she's not only a one-trick pony, you know, she's won away now. She's won at Nottingham, won at a few other tracks as well around the country. And everyone's saying she was just a one-trick pony. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a real specialist track, Rayford, but she's something else been over that 540. And, you know, fair play to Dave Lee. I think he's in his 80s, Dave Lee, isn't he, who handles her now as well. So that's uh, some training feet too, to still keep her going at that age. I mean, like, oh, like Dave's age, got the dog's age. But... <laughs> uh, we've had Jamie Norris in touch, says Kalara Ivy in the Sussex Sprint Final. That was absolutely superb. Good race that was. It was a hot race. Mm. I was really happy for Jamie. He's he's very you'll probably won't meet a prouder owner of a greyhound than Jamie in fairness. Yeah, that is that. And she was so 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 good. And our final one that we had on social media, Dr. Louise Powell, who said Johnny Whiskers in the Art Classic went down as a really good winner of um one of the local trainers, of course. So really, really that was superb as well. Uh, Johnny Whiskers. I had to see it after. Um, I think it was a couple of days after because I was away, but Really, really good, um, Johnny Whiskers. And I think he's going to be a really nice greyhound, actually. What do you reckon, Ryan? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, By the time this comes out, he would have already ran because he's running in um, in the semi-final on Thursday night, isn't he? In the, yeah. um, in, the, in the in the All England, England Cup. Cup, yeah. So yeah. Um, he, hopefully he'll have uh, qualified for the for the final. You'd be you'd be absolutely gutted with if you if you backed him uh, on the first September in A one and you got caught by Crook Patsy in A one um, for what the dogs went and went, went and gone and done since then. But no. Uh, Bags and bags of early pace. Um, probably a lot more to come from that dog over your tighter four bends of such your Oxford probably suit. One more definitely suit. So, yeah, very exciting dog if you have a dog that quick. Certainly is. That's our performances of 2023 uh, from all of um, people on social media. Um, I mean, there's so many that, you you know, that have put in really good races and we cannot mention everyone. But those are just our, you know, few highlights of, of what's happened this year. Well, it takes a lot to win a, any Cat 1 competition, doesn't it? Um, yeah. You know, you need to have a very good ground and you need a little bit of luck as well. So uh, mm. anyone that's won a competition this year, shout out. So let's go through the 2024 wish list. We've had quite a few people on social media come through with a few ideas of what they'd like to see in the next uh, year of Greyhound Racing. Dave Titterton. Uh, says he wants a proper digital system to register dogs and litters. 21st century, oh, I was say, 19th century product, and it? I mean, I, I think, look, speaking to Mark on on the, uh, Moisley, the commercial director of the GBGB, a few podcasts ago, it sounds like that is a project that is well underway. Um, why we are entering 2024 and it's still not done anyway and been implemented, I do not know. I mean, the, the paperwork and admin and that is just crazy, isn't it? It's like, as you say, they move into multi-million pound offices, GBGB, and everything is done by carrier pigeon. It is just ridiculous, isn't it? You sure register a dog, you've got to wait. We, it's, it's postal. Yeah, come on, everything's digital now. You know, you can sign... You can sign a, a multi-million pound contract by just getting a getting a computer and scrolling across it. Surely to God, registering a dog can't be that difficult, can it? You know, even like at the tracks now, when you you've got to get them marked up for God's sake. You know, someone sits there with a pen and just like marks little brindle markings and the colours of toenails on the on the thing. Um, you know, oh, it's just yeah, as you say, come across to the welcome to the twenty first century. I mean, this is not cover too difficult. Well, I think we can all agree on that with Dave um, and fingers crossed it's something that's going to be implemented this year because it's going to save a lot of time and effort for, for everyone. Mm. It's going to stop errors, you know, you think any errors and, and, and the traceability of dogs is going to be improved. So, um, yeah, think, fingers crossed that is imminent. It sounded like it was, so let's hope so. Uh, we've had Kim and Chris Robertson in touch, says leadership. A shake-up is needed. The tail is wagging the dog. What do you reckon, Ryan? Um, that's a very deep... You can, get, you can speak, probably do a whole podcast in itself on that. Um, question, should promoters be a part of the GBGB board? Uh, is there a conflict of interest in there? Um, also goes back then to uh, accountability. So uh, if tracks... Um, people within the sport don't perform to a level who they're accountable to who drives standards um, a shake-up is definitely needed um, I think I mean I don't want to go too much into it but I, 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 you hear strong rumours uh, of what might happen uh, and there might be a rival um, company as such looking to disband the GBGB and do it their own way um, 
I wouldn't know obviously too much about that, but I think we've all probably heard the rumours of that. And yeah, because at the moment, the current way the sport is being run and governed, um, it's not going to end well and the sport is not going to continue for too long because it's it's not a high quality product at the moment and we're not part of an industry where I would say standards are maintained and ensured that they're kept to the highest level. So yeah, but who's to do it? Are they allowed to do it? And yeah, at the moment, it's a small group of people taking the most out of the sport and putting the least in. So yeah, I just it's, you're going very political there. Um, okay, you could probably go into a whole podcast in itself with that. But yeah, shake up is definitely needed to give the sport a fresh look and a fresh direction because it's, it's not good at the moment. And I think this is probably a good time to mention both Havana Class and Gugain Jet and the China um, trips that they've had. Because it's great. It's it great. has to stop, doesn't it? I mean, look, yeah. this cannot happen. It needs to stop. There must be a trail somewhere. Like, it just can't be that hard. You don't need Miss Marple or Poirot to come along and solve this. It it must be obvious. Now, I've heard before as well, oh, nothing illegal's happened. You know, they're legally consent. It doesn't matter. It's not right. It's not good welfare. And mm-hmm. what needs to happen if it is legal, and, and, and you know, it might take time if, if uh, the, for the government to, to stop a loophole and it might not happen. So that's fine. But what is in your control as, as the GBGB is to ban any owners or mm-hmm. trainers caught doing it and say you cannot participate in the sport anymore. Obviously, you've seen by the reaction on social media from Greyhound Racing fans and, of course, Anties, who were, who were together in this and want it, want it stopped. Yeah. It, you know, the, the shame that people feel about it and the shame that's been brought on the owners of, like, Gugain Jet, for example, at the moment. You know, that's going to help people not, maybe hopefully not do it in the future. But but the GBGB can surely ban people caught, caught doing this from the sport in the future. That is something they can do and control. Why? So, just what I would say though with that is that you hope that they wouldn't do it in future. Like a lot of things, like as soon as a story happens, there's uproar on social media. It seems to be that people within the sport, GBGB, just want that to kind of just accept that you're going to get a bit of criticism for a brief period of time, move on with the sport, and then hope that everybody forgets. Um, why are we finding out the details of the Gugain Jet uh, story through? individual people on social media, their personal accounts. Why are we not having actual detailed investigative story on this, on what happened? Because again, I think we've all we all kind of know what happened. Um, but it hasn't actually been put out in a in an actual media source of search. We're all just getting it off to via Twitter uh, and in our group chats. Um, but again, what's stopping people? So the Google Engine thing, it was it's obviously all money-based, when a class all money all money-based. Um, what is stopping them? A few people on Twitter kicking off isn't going to stop somebody accepting thirty in excess of twenty thirty grand for a dog. Unfortunately, now we know that we wouldn't we wouldn't ever dream about sending our dogs there for that kind of money. Um, but unfortunately, there's some people in the sport that do, and it brings the game into disrespute. You can't defend it. So when anti-racism people jump jump down at the sport and say, "Well, your top owners, your top dogs are ending up in these countries with poor welfare um, standards," how how on earth can we defend that? Yeah, they're still asking us to go and sign a petition every every year to keep ground racing going. Um, so it's really frustrating. It's very very disappointing, and yeah, something does have to be done with it because it's it kind of it just sums up the sport that does to be honest here that it just seems to be silent, silent, and yeah, nothing seems to be done about it. After I don't know what your views are, mate. I mean, look, we're we're massively welfare based, aren't we? You know, the whole sport now is just about the welfare. Everyone knows it's being attacked from all angles by that, you know, and the rehoming and 
little kennels are chock a block now with dogs from from rehoming kennels that are waiting for places in rehoming kennels because we've got that promise that Mark Bird made and you know at the dinner about every single dog will have a home and all this and all that and I mean it's it's hard to compare look we can try to compare <clears throat> grand racing with horse racing you're not telling me that every single racehorse that finishes its career that isn't injured goes to a riding school goes to a you know goes to be retrained does dressage goes show jumping we all it know doesn't. that. Exactly. And they're not traced, and it's not traced after exactly. they finish their racing career anyway. So, you know, Greyhound is death, Grand Racing is definitely the poor relation, which gets all the flack and everything from everywhere. You know, if, if we had another, you know, all it would need would be another CM type thing or another sort of Steve Davis type thing, sport would be dead within a year. And it would be, and it would be literally closed down like that. Forget the regulations, it would just be gone. And, you know, and it's and it's only, you feel all the time it's on the edge with that. With the say, with the rehoming at the moment, with dogs just waiting for place in the kennel. So, you know, every other week you get another 50, 60 dogs appear over here in sales. And again, it's another problem. They're going to be in there, more dogs to be, you know, fresher dogs to go through. And again, it just creates more and more problems. There is too much racing. We all know that. Nobody needs the amount of racing there is at the moment in the shops. The product's just being devalued for, for what it is, really. And, you know, at the top end, we've got a good top end product. We've got the good racing we have. OK, we need the graders. We always need the graders to keep the sort of, a, you know, the, the show on the road a little bit as well. But everyone knows there's far, far too much racing and the amount of dogs. And, you know, we said a few years ago about having the super tracks and eight, ten tracks open in X amount of years time. I mean, that'll probably be the case, really. You'd have thought, you know, a few more tracks, I'm sure, will go by the wayside. And it does need tripping down an awful lot, really, because... It's just unsustainable at the moment. I mean, I listened to the interview that, um, that Seamus Cale done on RPG TV the other night when Julie went there. You've got someone like Seamus, you know, highly respected. He's been in the game, you know, all his lifetime. And even he's saying, like, you know, we're in the sport now. And he's a bit of a, he was a bit of a doom and gloom merchant to listen to Seamus. And he's, when you listen to somebody like him saying about the sport, you know, you do think and do wonder where it's going if over the next sort of few years. After regarding your super track comment, though, and saying you reduced the track number of tracks down to eight. Okay, mm -hmm. you're losing more public interest, you're losing owners, mm -hmm. um, you're losing areas within the country where they don't have a ground track, so there's nothing for the community, no mm -hmm. benefit to the community, no jobs. Is it not easier then to shut the sport down as a whole when you've got such a small sport in itself? Small, small yeah, no, that's probably, that's, that's probably a fair point. You know, people say, Ben, obviously, since the closure of Bellevue, there's, you know, there's no tracks in the North East. I mean, you know, Danny's probably based in that part of the world. I mean, you've got Sheffield and then you maybe got Kinsley and other than that, you're struggling for a track within a, you know, a sort of fair radius. You're looking at mm. coming down to the Midlands or, or across. So, you know, there are large swathes of the country without the sport and, yeah. and people will still, will still travel and watch it. But, you know, I mean, uh, uh, there's certain tracks that you could certainly look at and think, well, you don't need them. Uh, you know, and we're, we uh, could name names tracks. here. Exactly. You know, we can name, we can name names here, but we don't need to, but you know, there's tracks you say, well, what purpose does that serve? You know, zero. It just serves, purpose of dogs going around in circles at you know nine o'clock in the morning with endless sprints I find, and I find them uh and obviously I'm good absolutely gutted at Henlow because I actually got a soft spot for Henlow. Uh, I love, love Henlow as well. I've always enjoyed uh, not, in, Henlo, not yeah. in its current form, not in its current form, but back in the day it had a P had a place and you knew what you were going exactly what you're going to get from there. It's probably your luxury flapping track as such, but it was it had its place. Yeah. Uh, obviously we know that's bad news regarding Henlow, but if you're someone, if you're an MP or someone around that area, you go, well, what is the what is Henlo, what is the Henlo ground track doing for the Henlo area, mm. other than just making money for a small amount of people? Mm. Um, and yeah, like I said, I always got told growing up that people don't need ground racing. Ground ground racing needs people. And unfortunately, now we, the sport has seemed to 
doesn't push off people and let us just a small minority, small group of people actually benefit from it. And I think it will come back to bite everybody on the backside because it's for me, it's a lot easier to close tracks when it has no benefit to the local area. And it's a lot easier to ban the sport when there's such small interest in people who actually care about the sport. So, yeah, it's a worrying times, really, the way the sport's going. And you could be on it all day. Um, so, yeah, it's not good. And there's probably actually, you know what, benefits to this podcast. I know I'm writing now a little bit, but you actually don't really get many chances to actually voice these concerns and have people um, express how they feel about the sport. Um, so full credit to what you two are doing, actually, because, yeah, like I said, we don't get this opportunity for people to actually feel like the voices are heard. Well, we're just—it's just an assessment of racing, isn't it? You know, we look back at this year. What's what's changed, and and look forward to next year. What do we want to change, and what's likely to change? And it is frustrating, as I always say. I think I even said it earlier. You know, I'm a relative newcomer to the sport, so I'm sort of—I I don't remember the old good old days and stuff like that. But I can easily see where their issues are and where the problems are. And I think for me, Ryan, you just hit the nail on the head. Really, it's just getting new fans involved in the sport if you don't have fans who is going to defend the sport there'll be no one left to defend ground racing if no one's bothered about it because because apathy will mean it'll go you know it needs support it needs owners it needs people going to the tracks it needs like the community feel is a real good point you know what what are you bringing to the local community if it's nothing there's no one there to defend it. It'll probably go, you know, well, we'll just build a load of apartments on it. I saw a lady on Twitter in Ireland saying, oh, about Shelbourne, she's something like, I'm no architect, but couldn't they just build a load of flats on Shelbourne Park Ground Stadium? So, yeah, they, you don't need to be an architect. You can build housing on any green space anywhere, you know. <laughs> um, but that's not the point. You know, it brings a lot to the local community. It's the pinnacle of ground racing in Ireland. And because of that, it's very unlikely that Shelburne Park is going anywhere in the near future. Whereas, you know, there's certainly a lot of tracks in Britain, I feel, where that, that, that's not the case. And, you know, we're going on to another point. Matt Seaside on Twitter, is, his name is, said, you know, what? Surely there's demand for a track in the northwest. Um, you know, there isn't. His he he said in a chat, his local tracks are either Sheffield or Monmore. I mean, where have you got to be in Britain where there's your two local tracks are either Sheffield or Monmore? That is a huge gap, you know. That's, in, in, that's in the called northwest. Manchester. Yeah. Because yeah, exactly. um that's where I live. And <laughs> Sheffield is an hour away. I've got Parry Bar that's an hour and twenty. Monmore's probably similar. Kinsley's about just over an hour away. Doncaster. I think it's about an hour and a half. Non- Nottingham's nearly two hours. So I have to go over to the Yorkshire side most of the time or down to Birmingham and beyond. But there is nothing. There's nothing around Manchester. So he probably lives somewhere near me. He does at yeah, west of Manchester as well. But mm. but look, let's face it. What are the odds of an, an actual ground stadium being built from scratch now? It's, Wolverhampton. it's it's close to yeah, but I mean that's yeah. not from zero, is it? Because they've already got the race course there, so that doesn't. You know count. what? You know, what? Down in Wolverhampton, you've got a new stadium there, a new track site being built, um, where generally there would be just such excitement and anticipation of it. Yeah, I'd say that most people in the sport actually got sceptical and uh, keeping their expectations quite level with what that new track's going to be like. Uh, which I'd say does summarise the sport and the people within it, of how they actually see the sport at the moment. Uh, I think we've been battered that much and basically forced into negative submission. Um, so we've got a new trap there, but I don't actually think I'm excited for it at the moment because I've no idea how it's going to how it's going to play out. How it's going to pan out. I'm just hoping they follow the Dundalk model with that because Dundalk have racing like on a Friday night, 
and then they, they tie in the greyhounds straight afterwards and a lot of people will stay out for the whole time or they'll stay for half of the greyhounds or whatever but you're still getting more people and getting into um our wonderful sport and I'm hoping um I've heard little bits of rumors that that is exactly what they're going to do because Good. during the winter um you know you've got Wolverhampton um that race a couple of times a week Joe it's it's regular a couple in it three three or four <laughs> yeah so you'd, you'd hope that obviously with the greyhound racing side of things that you'd be able to not necessarily four times a week but at least a couple of them targeted meetings that would cross over so that people are having a night out and then if it starts you know if Wolverhampton finishes at seven greyhound racing kicks off at quarter past seven you've got the catchment area because it's in the middle of a, a, a state anyway a housing estate and you you can create a real buzz about it. So I know that we are, you know, we've been battered a few times, Greyhound racing as a whole, but I actually think that we've got some good people that are going to be hot on this track because it's, it is brand new. We have got the planning permission. It is going forward. And I think as long as they continue doing what we expect them to do, I think we're going to do, I think we're going to do all right with Wolverhampton. Good. They could certainly do a building it like Dundalk as well. I mean, Dundalk's a great track to watch racing on too. Um, you know, it's a real test. It's a proper, you know, people step out when they had a blank canvas for toaster and obviously, you know, the changes or whatever you think about toaster, it's probably, you know, similar now to what it was before. But with Dundalk, you know, with um, with Wolverhampton, if they could build a Dundalk model there, that would be that would be great. But it remains to be seen That's if they mean. want to build a Crayford or a a Romford or a Crayford or a, or a Dundalk. I'm probably one of the very few people who actually like Toaster track. Uh, and a lot of everyone does have negative things to say, but actually any, any competition, the best dogs generally do qualify and get through, like the, no matter what distance it's over. So, yeah, I'm not a fan of the third, fourth bend. What the well, that's the, that's the thing. You know, it's, it's the, always the third and fourth bend that catches dogs out, you know, the, it's the sort of the, you put the DRS on down the home straight and it's the, it's the Monaco third and fourth bend there. It's a lot of people look and, you know, hence all the fun and games we had with them from post to pillar in the derby with Rab and Kyle. Toaster you get, round the third of Brent, it's that you get, so the rails are always individual rails. You get mm. curve one, straight one, curve one, straight one. So it yeah. always looks like the dog in front zigzagging. Yeah. And the dog in behind can't actually pass. because And it's also the... It's also the narrowest part of the track. So I remember I've yeah. around it a few times there, and you get there and look at it and think like where the tractor comes on from the top top there, where the, the apex is, and it's so narrow. And dogs think, yeah. well, you know, you see the first bend where it's like where well, it was before, like the Gobi Desert with so much sand on the oh, outside. Wow, yeah. Obviously, now they've narrowed it a lot, but that's the reason why. Well, obviously, we can go back to Toaster and all night long, and I'm sure come the Derby podcast again, if we're still going in 2024, we'll be uh, talking about the same third bend there. But, um, but yeah. yeah. What do you mean, if, Lofty? If. We're no, still going no, in don't. 2020. You were, you were very quiet there, Dad. You were like lip reading. I was trying to see what you were trying to say there. I thought, I can't lip read at the best of times. That's no. <laughs> I just had myself on mute because the dog keeps the wandering around the, on the room. <laughs> it's probably for the best, really, at the moment that I should be on mute. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we will definitely. We've got big plans in 2024, Joe, not we? So we've got some guests already lined up and it's going to be going to be we fun. We've got the first guest lined up. I announced it on RPG TV the other week. Did you? So shall I announce it again to our podcast listeners? Yeah. Well, well Kevin, Kevin Boothby is going to be our first guest in the new year on the podcast. So if you've got any questions 
for Kevin. Kevin will be appearing on the first podcast in the new year, which will be released on the 19th of January. So if you've got any questions for Kevin, let us know ahead of that. We're taking a break after this. We're having a Christmas break. We're enjoying the festivities. Dan is going to Tenerife um, on holiday, and then we'll be back. We will. We will. And it'll be bigger and better than ever. Uh, next year in 2024 no it's gonna be good i'm excited to uh continue it i'm glad we've got this far so yeah let's yeah, keep going cool and um uh, back on track anyway yeah. luis diaz again has said we've we, he's mentioned about improved promotion of ground racing and better use of social media which we sort of covered but mm-hmm. but he's, he also mentions a big piece which is improved prize money i was hoping to maybe see um an improved prize money um cheering or whatever announced for 2024 but i'm yet to see anything so i'm not feeling very optimistic about that all the 24 grand competitions though is that i've heard that right i think i think there are some more bigger competitions for cat ones but in terms of the money generally and filtering down um you know and opens and stuff like that i haven't seen anything announced whereby i'm getting excited about about prize money i mean i think i've said before we're in a situation now where you know like lauren will win an open and it won't cover the monthly bills. Like to me, like winning an open should at least cover your monthly bill. I mean, I've had a couple um, of dogs over in Ireland, like you say, and you know they win an A one at Shelbourne, and it's five hundred euros. Now, you know you you've got to win probably the heat of a Cat Two competition here to win five hundred, or an invitation race to win a five hundred euro race over here. You know, he, I mean, he was a fair little dog, and we got you know he won a little sweepstake there. It was two grand. You know, so you've got to win a Cat Two here to win two grand. Sometimes it's um. I know Ireland's government funded and, and stuff like that. And, you know, as you say, you need to, to cover isn't that, it. Isn't that changing slightly for some tracks in Ireland, though? As in the, the winner's money been reduced and the... Well, I think that's for the SIS stuff, isn't it? When it comes through, I think they're sort of moving it down. Obviously, everyone, you, you know, in Ireland, you've got to pay the rent of a dog and the, the no-run money situation. It's uh, So, obviously, that's the thing that's changing there. And I think they are changing it, yeah. Um, well, hopefully, a few of the Irish people will be a bit more up in arms about that. And, you know, they keep their system, we'll keep ours, but... I think once they go over to the back sort of system. That, I don't be... think, I think the other meetings are still taking place, aren't they? And these are just additional meetings that will be on the SIS yeah. service. So it's not like they're replacing anything. Um, and I think they're going to be some trainers that will appreciate um, the the run money and be, being able to maintain a kennel a bit better with these additional meetings. Um, I get that, but where are the dogs coming from? So if you're, if you've got dogs who have been running in these, say the A1s, the A2s for decent money, uh, then you have to actually have a contract to fill with SIS. You have to get the dogs from somewhere. Uh, so all it will end up doing then is what we get here, where you're rewarding trainers for just supplying dogs as opposed to training dogs um, to win. So, yeah, these extra meetings, I can't see how that's a positive because it will just reduce the amount of dogs that come over to the UK because they're going to have to keep them to maintain their con- racing schedules in Ireland. Um, so all they're going to continue doing is just improve, increase run money and keep your win money at what it is because they don't need that. They just need content, unfortunately. That is probably going to be a byproduct. And again, it harps back on, you know, what are, what are the GBGB doing to encourage and promote British breeding? Because I know there's a lot of people over here. We spoke to Phil on the last podcast, myself included as well, you know, was looking to breed over here. But it's just not really possible or sustainable in Britain at the moment. And, you know, we've we've you know, more dogs likely to stay in Ireland now. Um, there's going to be an even greater shortage. So something needs to be done to help British breeders and people that want to do that. You know, Phil was telling us about a couple of people that have been breeding British litters for years and they're saying, this is my last one, I'm not doing it again. So, you know, we're, we're heading 
we're heading to a, a, a difficult place again, aren't we? And, you know, these things that we've been talking about and been coming for a while, but nothing seems to have been done to address the issue. Short term, short term, short, all short term. Everything's short sighted. Well, now. I agree. Um, yeah, it's like putting a band aid over a, whatever, yep. a gaping stab wound, but um, <laughs> might cut that bit out. But, <laughs> but you know, it's. <laughs> I I don't know how we can sustain both schedules, so um, I don't know in the future if if one is going to be. Look at the valley at the moment. You know, like eight dog race, eight eight race cards, four dog races. Basically, track's got three trainers. You've got five. You know, you've got a trainer yeah. with all all six rounds in a race, five out of six rounds in another race. Well, that's unsustainable, isn't it? You know, exactly. I mean, and you look back in, in the day. And back in the day, so my mate Rob Coulthard, um, obviously racing manager Hall Green, mm-hmm. if he'd have had five dog race, he would have been lambasted. He would yeah. have been questioned. If he'd have had a race go off a minute late, they were getting questioned. Mm-hmm. If he'd have had a race where a trainer had two or three togs in the same race, they were getting questioned. So the standards were far better back then mm-hmm. than they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, if he had dogs, four dog race and dog go off at one to two, he would have got, he'd have got questioned. And that, that maintained standards, whatever you think of him, Robert, but that maintained standards, which was the product back then was better than it is now. Whereas you've got, like you said, you've got Pope on the GBGB driving standards. Tracks can, it's the Wild West. Tracks can do whatever they like and there's no consequences for it. Mm. They can just continue, continue the cycle. And the, the schedule is not sustainable. It's, it's just not sustainable. And you're going to have a really, really low quality, but high, low quality, high quantity of, of products. Which is what we're getting. It's similar to what your roulette would be, your virtual racing. We're no different to that. So, and that's the way the sport is driving towards. You might get the odd one say, "Oh, we're pushing for higher prize money and stuff." But if you haven't got the dogs, if you haven't got even the, I mean, touch the surfaces of the tracks, the actual quality of the actual racing surface that these dogs run on, because they haven't got time to actually maintain the proper track. It, the, the sport is this year, and the sport is heading down a very, very risky road. And I don't think people are actually bothered because they're happy to take short-term gain over the long-term future, um, long-term benefit of the sport, which I know I'm ranting about, but it, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I agree with you, Danny. It's not sustainable, this racing schedule. Yeah, it's, it's not. So we're just going to see how it all plays out, but, but it will be dictated to by commercial forces. Do you know what I mean? Like SIS have got, have got their own thing going on. Not, and, and it's not just about the Britain and Ireland. Do you know what I mean? The, these, these things are getting sold worldwide. ARC have got their own thing going on. And, they're, they're, you know, both companies have got their own interests and we're doing their own thing. And, and, and you know, if the dogs aren't there and that we're getting two and three dog races and it's not sustainable, things will change but mm. based on the commercial factors. However, you know, it's, it is also up to the, to the GBGB to see these problems come in and try and address them by, you know, helping with the breeding, the rehoming issue, you know, the kennels full up with dogs that need rehoming. What this has been happening all year. What what one thing has been put into place to help that issue? I can't think of any I can't think of anything that's been done to done to, to address that issue. Could you? No. No, zero. So what you know th- these are all it, it, these are all these are all issues that have been going on for a while, which I don't think anything's been done to 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 address. So, um, you know, it's just it's just all issues in the ecosystem of greyhound racing, um, that that are problems. But <laughs> should we end it there? This is the last <laughs> podcast we're ever going to do. 
Finish on a high. Finish on something. Oh, soft. It's gonna finish. Finish. Joe, you look like a bro- you look like a broken man. You look like four. You look like four broken people. Well, <laughs> look, I'll move on to another point, but it's not very positive. Like Sean has mentioned, look, he wants the GBGB to be disbanded and properly, and the sport properly regulated. Better prize money and banning of owners selling dogs to China and Pakistan. Well, we've we've covered the yeah. the last two points, and I think we've sort of covered the yeah. the GBGB issue about. Um, positive mention match races. I think Lofty, I think Lofty would like to mention match races. Yeah, as I said could... before, you know the match races were great, and the thing they do in Australia where they get the the almost like the knockout stuff, and you get the eight fastest dogs or whatever on the track, and you put them with two two match races, and you get evening match dogs and very exciting races to watch, and the public certainly enjoyed them, and something like that, just something to get the public interest again in the sport. You know, I mean, we had a we mentioned a few dogs earlier on, like we've had the sort of higher profile dogs, but you know, something like Space Jet. I mean. You remember when she ran in the um the produce uh the produce um not the produce the select stake stayers at Nottingham, like the the commentator and I, I think you spoke about it, Danny as well. The commentator obviously never had a clue about it, and he's sort of talking about all oh, these dogs coming from off the back. It just was another dog who came from off the pace, and it was just simply a case of oh, trap two's won there, you know, and that was a good performance in trap two. Can't win from where it is, sort of thing, and it's got up and won. There was no, oh, this is Space Jet, you know, multiple ledger winner, you know, superstar the marathon sings. It was just another number. And um, unfortunately, that's been the, the case many a time, you know. And I remember the was Wildcat winning at Swindon after he won the Derby. And it was just Trap 4, who was 1-6, to six, who won last yeah, time. I remember the race. Who won the last race. time, an open, who won an open race at Toaster last time. Uh, you know, this, this is the Derby winner all about it. And it, it's just, you know. Imagine, um, imagine how easy, though, it would be to promote your best 16 dogs over a distance. Say, honestly, you would exactly. generate public interest. You just easily exactly. start watching the fastest animals in the UK yeah. go at it head to head. You know, the match like, imagine, is... imagine Lynx Maverick v. Um, Kulavani Shadow. Imagine mm. that as a sow. Yeah. Imagine the interest you will get. You're watching the two, probably the fastest dogs mm. go, head, go bang at it head to head. And then you get your stories then where you get your staying dogs uh, against the speedster. So you get that kind of injury. It, yeah. It's so easy to sell and promote. Uh, and I think everybody would want it. Like if you look around, I know there are people who who have to work for media sources who don't see the, the positive in it, but I'm sorry. It is so easy. Like you said, there's two match races this year. The one at Romford was unbelievable race. Tremendous, wasn't it? And you you never, saw, oh, the, the atmosphere was unbelievable. Yeah. I thought it'd be a complete mismatch as well, and it was far, it was far from that. I mean, like you know, it was such a good race, as I say. Um, but yeah, let's take like... it a step further. Imagine having like a UK qualifier, Irish qualifier match race for the different distances and stuff, and then the winners meet head to head on a night. Ireland, the Britain, yeah. that sells itself. Like these, you know, you don't need to sell these things. It sells itself. The interest and excitement about an event like that would be amazing. One year it's in Ireland, one year it's in Britain. Easy. It's it, it, you know where there's a will, there's a way. Like surely someone can think of this. Four bends, you can do it for six bends, yeah. eight. Bends. Take your pick, and it will sell. Watching the two best sprinters go head to head at Nottingham, for example, would be a really, really good watch. Yeah. But like, like it's so easy. Even watching Lauren say six whatever against Space Jet. We got like for example, say watching Lauren go out, out from the front. And watching Space Jet then, like, can Space Jet get? To they her, did like, a great six. trial at Oxford actually <laughs> over the six fifty where that happened. Would that be? <laughs> Like, it's such a easy sell, like. Oh. Yeah, it's it's pain. Like, like that would be great. The British qualifiers, Irish qualifiers, and then the, the winners meet head to head. You know, is Lynx Maverick or Call of Vanny Shadow going to represent Britain against Ireland next month? You know, here we're going to find out. Great. I'm excited thinking about it now. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And the commentary side of things, I'm just going to dial back because 
the amount of tracks I've been to, um, obviously in the north, and I do loads of prep. I highlight, you know, simple things. I highlight my bitches in pink. So I know that it's not a he. She's a she and the others are he's. I put the puppies in different colours. I make sure that I know up and down in grade what they've won last time out. I make notes. And the amount of people that I go to these tracks and they go, oh, the guy that was here last time didn't do that. No. No shit. Because of course you care. Because you care. So if, you, if you're not, a, say, a passionate supporter of the sport and your job is, right, you're going to call this race out, Okay, regardless of how you call it, you, I mean, you're even allowed to call it a lap early in some races, right? Okay, you're okay. Regardless of how you call it, you just move on to the next day of work. If you don't love the sport, why would you? You love the sport. So, and you can say that with tracks. If, if, if your traps don't work, okay, right, fix them. If, you're, if your track looks untidy and dirty when you go to it, clean it. But if you get away with not cleaning it, why would you if you don't care about the sport? You're going to pry it. It's just the whole standard, Danny, of that. And commentary, I know you're so passionate about it and how infuriating you get. And we all do. There's nothing. A good commentary makes a race even better. It makes a race. Mm. Makes a race. That's the whole point of a commentator because you can see what's happening. The commentator is there to provide the entertainment. It's not, you know, you could have racing, you could have horse racing without a commentator because you can see what's happening. You have the commentator there to build the excitement, to build the race, and to add to it. You can make so if you're not adding to it, there's no point in having the commentary. You can make a D3 at Central Park, for example, one of the eight on the meeting. You can make you a good commentator could still make that interesting. Yeah. Make it interesting. You could build up some sort of background of the dogs, basic knowledge, and people will get an interest in that dog. People and remember they, they good commentaries. Remember people remember good commentaries. Like I remember Mountain Tunes, John Hunt, uh, when, when A.P. Yeah. McCoy won. Uh, toaster won it actually, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I remember that, and I tweeted last year at Tidal Bay over Christmas. When you know, these are great commentaries, people remember them, you know, they live it, it long in the memory and they make the race. It's um, exactly where we talk, just gonna come on. I mean, I still remember everyone's coming to Oh my god, he's got that. And like, I used to obviously work in the star office where like. Graham Racing wasn't that interested. The amount of people I put on YouTube watching videos, I'll put that video of Westby Dork on YouTube we're in the semi-final. Oh my God, he's gone up there. And it's like, yeah. and even now you still think, well, and I said to Errol the other night, I did the show with him a few times, like, you know, I said, uh, people still remember that commentary of, of Westby Dork. Probably all done it. We've all probably gone back on some point on YouTube and we've got a bit of time to watch old finals of the mm. Wimbledon final, stuff like that. Dad, and the commentary builds it. Mm. Like, yeah. like, listen to Errol build up the excitement of the race. Like, like, it makes the race so much more interesting. And you actually well, Ian Fortune's great now, oh. isn't he? You know, yeah. Ian Fortune in Ireland, the big Good events. One. He's top notch. Like, he's just top class. I mean, the one thing, Danny, I hope you get to, I don't know, I hope you get on a big finals night. I hope you get the chance to comment on a massive finals night. Okay, because you'll make the race. I think the lad at Oxford does some really good commentaries. Uh, the staying yeah, race. The guy they bring he, in sometimes, he's really good as he well. Does, yeah, he does, he, 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 he's, yeah. he's spot on. I think he's top, I think he's top of the, uh, yeah. I think he adds, he adds interest to the race context to it he understands that if a stayer is far behind your eyes are on that stayer still you're not just yeah. going off oh, fours walked out that can't win mm. he did the he did the marathon final there i think if you find the commentary the 
Swindon dog were, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a tremendous commentary. He's really, he, he, and he really makes it. And look, everyone slags Kevin off, you know, like, but the Colonel, he's funny, the Colonel, and he, and he, and he adds colours to it, and he does do good. His, his commentaries are okay, a bit hit and miss, he's been the first to admit himself. He's no, he's no in fortune, but his commentaries are great. They're always very colourful, you know, he gets a bit of interest into the race, and the public sort of even go there, have a sort of little chuckle at his commentaries as he goes along. And it's what it needs, a bit of colour added to the night. It's just, you know, it's perfect, even if you're there in a, a Monday night with a handful of people there. It does add a bit of colour to it, and it's, it's just what the sport needs. Mm -hmm. right. Completely agree. Uh, right, what else we got, Joe, on our, our 2024 wish list? Well, Stephen Purdy says, make it affordable for the punters, especially midweek. Um, I, I have to say, I've been midweek a few times, and I haven't had to pay to get in. Not because I'm an owner, because it's just free to get in at Swindon or something on a Thursday. Like, go midweek. I was going to say, why do you want to go midweek anyway? Yeah. So I don't know. So I don't know. Um, I, I don't like. Is he talking like Romford in the evening and stuff? To to me, like to me, like ground racing is still quite an affordable night out, comparable to other sports and and, and other things. I think, you know, obviously you can make the race night experience better, but in terms of an outlay of cost compared to other stuff, I actually think it's still, um, you know, sort of punches above its weight, generally speaking, for the night out you get. I don't know, Lofty, what are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely agree. As you say, I mean, Oxford, you know, people say Oxford can be sometimes expensive, but you can pay a tenner to get in at Oxford. It's a good night out, you know, on, on, on a Friday evening. And as you say, Two quid for a drink at the bar. You go racing, it's, it's 30 quid to sort of be you know, walking through the race course and you get a similar, probably a lesser experience than what you get there. It's just, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's not an Tuesday night, Tuesday night, Sheffield's a good night. They make mm -hmm. it affordable. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, uh, I know that times last year, Toast on Tuesday, when my dad was there, Toast on Tuesdays, you get decent little crowds there. Um, it's just the case of tracks wanting to put the effort in. That's right. Oxford are the same, you know. I mean, they yeah. went with Oxford market nights. I mean, they just did the same with the, the free admission meeting early in the year. And the place was rammed yeah. last uh, last Saturday night, for example. It wasn't obviously the last Saturday before Christmas when it was open, but it was the biggest crowd I'd seen there since opening night. And oh. certainly from a betting point of view, we were absolutely overwhelmed by the by the business there. It was like it was like the old and even as it was like the old days. They were coming, you know, they're, they're, they're at the second bend and we're still taking bets. I mean, like if it was only always like this, unfortunately, it's not because we know that's just the way it, it can happen. Rob, people, even though there's obviously people are overall skin. People still want an affordable night out in ground racing. Exactly. And that's exactly what it provides, as you say. Value. You certainly get it. A good yeah. bit of different. value. It's good so different out. as a sport. It's so, as, a, as, a, as an entertainment, as a night out, it's so different. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Mark Cough's killing me, by the way. <laughs> You're holding it together well. Danny, you got any thoughts on that? I mean, you don't pay to get in anywhere, do you, Danny Jackson? You just bowl up to the do gate. You know, and do you know? Do you know? No, I pay. Unless I'm working, I pay. Every time. People don't. Breaking people news don't. on the Gone to the Dogs podcast. <laughs> no, but I just think the, the way the sport is, if you don't, you know, I, I, I probably could just say, oh, yeah, I'm walking. But I don't. I, I book, you know, maybe a table in the restaurant or I book to just go in and get my race card and stuff like that. I, I usually book if I'm going because usually the giraffes come in as well if we're going, you know, just to, for me not to work. Um, but yeah, I would, I always pay like when I go racing, um, horse racing, um, you know, it's a completely different kettle of fish, but I could ask somebody because I normally know a commentator and they could put, you know, a badge on for me. And I don't because I, I, I want to prop up our sports. I want to contribute to our sports because I get a lot from our sport. Loads. You know, I do what I love every single day. And 
I would feel so bad if I didn't give it back. So yeah, if I go racing for fun, I pay my way. So there you go. Um, long may it continue. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just don't see, you know, when it's a tenner or whatever and you're getting a quality card of racing, even if it's just just graded stuff. Graded stuff is my my bread and butter. I absolutely love it. I, I pick loads of winners in grade, graded racing because it's what I know. It's what I've always studied. Yes, I studied the open racing now, but it wasn't always the case for the first eight years of my time in the sport, it was all graded racing. I barely knew um, what the open scene was, really. And I fell in love with it through the graded scene. So yeah, as long as it's promoted in the right way, you can fall in love with it at any level. Um, because I did. So, And I'm here and I'm doing a podcast. We don't get paid for this, do we, Joe? So we just absolutely, we love this sport. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Sponsor, please. Sponsor, please. Sponsor, yes. Sponsor, 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 for the draws there to be there as a sort of a face for the draws or someone to be there to make sure fair plays fair plays are seen. So yeah, um, tremendous. <laughs> Good yeah, stuff. We well look look nice segue onto the next point, Lofty, because it's about the GBGB again. Um Albermath Racing says uh, they'd like to see some form of strategy from the GBGB to help support trainers starting out. Um since the loss of the two dog owner trainer permits, they've been hung out to dry. It's just something we we mentioned with with Phil again last week, and it's difficult. And with with the shortage of dogs and how difficult it is for trainers, it's another issue that needs to be identified to help with the shortfall, doesn't it? I think you're right. I mean, it's no real incentive for youngsters to get started in the sport, is it? You know, you saw that little bit that the uh, that Brace done um, from from Sheffield, which was tremendous. You know, someone to see like who's 16 and so enthusiastic for the sport, but you where's where's the future for her? You know, she wants to start training dogs and. She's got to sort of get kennels, get all the license and everything at the moment. Like you said before, the the, the, the two dogs set up before, we could basically have two dogs on your sofa and train them. There'd be plenty of places to run them now, you know, with the sort of dog shortage that we were talking about and races of that. So, but for someone like her who wants to get involved in the sport in the future, any youngsters like her, where's, you know, where, where do they go? You've only Devil's got to see Devil's advocate with that, mate, slightly, uh, and I'm only thinking of a different perspective. Would that be harder to trace and maintain welfare standards if you had a lot more two dog trainers or such an owners with the GBGB struggle to uh, be able to observe and assess how the dogs are being looked at in all them kennels as such would that, would that yeah, might be the issue why yeah I'm not sure I mean I know people said about when they were having the two dogs set up so they were probably as, as strictly enforced as uh, kennels that had you know 80 100 dogs in them so I mean I know it involves a lot of traveling for any of the stipendary stewards who are doing stuff like that but I'm sure it's a uh, a good way to get people back into the sport and especially youngsters who want to start up with two or three dogs. They don't want to start with a kennel of sort of 15 or 20 when they start. And it's good to start with, you know, half a dozen dogs and, or even, you know, four or five dogs and just start up from there. But, um, well, there isn't I mean, the land was... with the kennels anyway to do that. Like you, unless you're building kennels in your, mm. in your garden, mm. uh, which is going to cost an absolute fortune. It's just, it's not there. And I get Phil mentioned the other week, there's obviously the issue with drugs. You know, if you're keeping the dogs in your house, they can lick, you know, the coffee, mm. Uh, or whatever may be lying around and stuff like that. And uh, there is an integrity issue. I, I do understand, I do understand that, 
but there must be a way around it, um, you know, with increased drug testing and things like that. Because at the moment, again, it's hard for trainers to, you know, new trainers to come into the sport unless you're getting a hand-me-down and a kennel, um, you know, and then it's just, it's not new trainers again, is it? It's likely to be a son or a daughter or something. Where, where are these, where are these trainers and dogs coming from? Controversial point alert. I dare say that the, uh, the, the two or four dog trainer would probably have their license taken away. Whereas the, uh, the slightly larger trainer could play the contaminated meat card and get away with it. So with a you know with, with a small fine and reprimand this to future conduct. But we've seen that a few times down the line, haven't we? And uh, I'm sure we probably see it in the future. But nothing boxing, to see just here. Boxing as well nothing as dogs. To see here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Well, moving. We will move on. But um, <laughs> Harry Stroud. Okay. Well, we mentioned this again. Scheduled. Schedule halved. And six dogs, six dog races. Well, obviously, more dog races, six dog races will come in with a naturally with a, a smaller schedule. But again, you know, we've sort of discussed that. And I think, you know, with two separate commercial entities going about their business, um, it's unlikely that the schedule is going to be halved anytime soon. But it's whether or not both entities will be able to sustain their respective. Product yeah, forward, which is what it? I so, said earlier about the yeah. it'll be you know the commercial pressure if it's not sustainable they they will they will decrease you know the schedules won't be the same if it's not sustainable mm. but it'll be commercial forces that will dictate that. Okay, if I, I am I am to... thick when it comes to that kind of stuff, Jay. Absolutely stupid because I've never really. The thing is, look like the, the, these companies will have data on on six dog races versus five day dog races and four dog races in terms of um, you know turnover. Obviously, the margin you, you'd think would be would be less with, with less dogs naturally, but. Um, you know how much does it affect the turnover and revenue? I don't know the answer. You know, people know. All I genuinely don't know the answer. I'll say, that, do you but... not see it, Joe? So obviously, you work for SIS. You don't see the turnover or the margin or stuff that comes like that. No, I do for it. customers that my customers that that yeah. take the products, um, mm-hmm. but but they wouldn't be um, near as big as the the you know the UK and Irish no. bookies that that take no. the product. So I do I do see data and stuff, but I certainly couldn't share any even if I did. But I don't. <laughs> but but what I but I don't. I you know what I've just mentioned. I'm not. I don't have. I haven't seen that information, but the mm-hmm. companies will have it. Arc will have it. SIS will yeah. have it to yeah. hand. You know, is is a four dog race detrimental to the to the turnover compared to a six dog race? Well, no, no, I don't sure. know if people would think it would be easier to pick a winner, so they might just have a go. Anyway. I hate it. As someone who tries to bet, uh, like I'm full time. Someone who tries to bet uh, above the odds, so and my my value of a dog is higher than what I can get, kind of thing. It kills betting on the sport properly. It absolutely, because you get no, but you get no value. You get no value. That's a fair point, and I, I would probably, you know, I would, I would agree, because you know, it's annoying when a non-runner comes out of a, a dog or a horse race, because you, you know, especially when it's a favourite, and you think I can get this favourite beat, I fancy this, and it comes out, and you lose your prize. Better start doing our mud brush with the Millersfield cards, then, Joe, and try, try get on there, Ryan. I think it's all we can do. <laughs> I think that's what. Yeah, I'm great. I'm preparing myself anyway. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of years, the game's over. I think. Gambling and ground racing, my like. Bad career that I'm telling you. Oh, God. And then we've got, I think, our last one, Joe. Our last yeah. one on the 2024 wish list from Dr. Louise Powell. It says, more handicaps and staying races. Also, um, she mentioned the initiatives to bring through new trainers and those with the smaller kennels. We've touched on that. But more handicaps, more staying races. Louise, you are the you same can't. as me. I love the staying races. So I would always want to see more of those. Handicaps. I'm absolutely terrible at working them out, picking winners. So for me, no. Um, but 
I don't know. Do you like handicaps, Lofty? You need half a dozen tracks. You need more than more than a few track staff for a start with handicaps, don't you? Yeah. Um, I think handicaps work if you've got a, a low kennel strength or sometimes if you've got really poor dogs. I mean, you probably see the commentator Nottingham. You see some of the dogs there off 20 metres off the front that wouldn't grade on not even on Nottingham. They wouldn't yeah. grade in. And you give them 20 metres start off the front. Sunderland the same. You know, they've got very low, low grade dogs that wouldn't normally get races off the front of handicaps. So for that, if it gives dogs a run, yeah, maybe we'd come and touch back to welfare. Why aren't these dogs on a sofa? You know, why are they still running around off receiving 20 metres and starting big pricing handicaps? But um, no, I find handicaps a bit ambivalent. Stairs races, yeah, look, I, I, I love them as well. And funny enough, I was chatting to um, to Simon, the racing manager at Oxford the other night, and he said he enjoys the stairs races too, but he's a bit sort of tougher to put them on because now they require a trial again to see dogs run on the, uh, on the SIS service before they actually run over the trip where there was a spell where they were just putting dogs that obviously looked like they would want the trip over the four bends and just sticking them over six bends without a trial and, and that was fine and now he's a little bit limited by having to get trials in with their one trial session a week to give a dog a trial over the over the six bend trip before we can run it in stairs races but um oh, i enjoy the oxford stairs races they, and the, the turnover tends to be good on them as well the public like them too so no i certainly like to see more stairs definitely i'd say making the dogs trial would be for a betting perspective because um so i guess mistakes wouldn't be happen be made as such as going prices uh because one of the edges you can get as a punter is looking at a dog over four bends mm. it then getting stepped up and you think right i know you're going to be waiting for this the second that you make the dog trial all the secrets given away i oh, know exactly yeah exactly i mean you've got dogs that have trials and you know they have back form it's funny i've dog ran at oxford on on monday night um one of richard yates's uh I mean, the computer, racing post computer made it like eight or ten to one. They put it in twelves, the uh, the numerical oh. firm, and it was like, well, it couldn't be a twelve choke. It was twenty on the lead. It was an A one bitch. It was a couple of A seven dogs in the race. She went yeah. off six to four. She got beat, but yeah. and there was a non runner in the race. So the poor people who took twelve to one, I oh. wasn't one of them, but I know a few people <laughs> did, and 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 she got chins. I bet a dog myself there through about a fifteenth party. Took nine to two, it non runner in the race, went off 11 to 10, got beat. Uh, but you know, but yeah, the, so this going back to the staying form, it is there on the card sometimes, and when they've got it, but yeah, I mean, I'd like to see a lot more stage races. Uh, they had the advantage of the one or two Saturday night non SOS meetings that they do have when I know they're quite rare, but they can put the stage races on there with dogs with them um, with no sort of a uh, six bend lines of form, but yeah, no, I think he has said to me, he says a bit, he'd like to put a lot more stage races on there, and he's a bit tired by getting them to. Get the trials. They run the maiden open. Obviously, that's a bit different. They can. They've got that line of form on the card, and they can go in through the uh, through the six bends that way, which a few dogs do. But you wouldn't get enough races out of that. Right. So I guess we need to, um, Joe, do a wish list ourselves because otherwise, then we won't have anything to look back on for twenty twenty five. Mine are just the same as a year ago. Can we have them next year, please? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, when I did it last year, I thought I did think like these are easy wins, you know. Hopefully, there'd be more of this, but 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 clearly not. Um, I don't, I don't, to, to be honest, Danny, I, I would just like the same as what I said last year would be, would be nice. It would be good to see some. I, I agree with um, well, someone mentioned about strategy, and we've mentioned it before, and I, I mentioned it to Mark when he was on the podcast. What it would be great to see from the GBGB is a strategy for 2024, 2025, 2026, and, and even beyond. What are we working towards? We know the issues within the sport. How We know what, what the goal should be. How are we going to get there? What is being done to achieve those goals, whether it be rehoming, 
the, the, the exports to foreign countries with, with low welfare standards. Um, you know, what, whatever it may be, can we please have a strategy and, and, and work towards it? That would be my, my wish list um, for, for next year and, and, of course, beyond. You, what do you think? Me, I want to see the uh, new channel um, and Sky Sports Racing on the big nights. They're, they're already starting it, but I would like to see maybe more of a, a presence in the studio on the big nights, on the Category 1 final nights. Maybe even the semis going forward, but certainly in the Category 1 final nights. It's certainly the one sponsored by PGR as it stands. I think we had someone in the studio that was knowledgeable about the sport and could really give it a good build up and have a face to these people that are doing all the work behind, you know at the tracks uh, myself and other people that are commentating at different tracks because we are just a voice at the moment so it would be nice to see maybe um a few people throughout the year at the tracks um not outside broadcast because that's quite expensive and difficult to do but in the studio itself with the horse racing person and just kind of dual present it um, I think I would enjoy seeing that going forwards because then it would give a bigger feel, you know, to the big sky nights that we used to have. Um, I've no idea if that's actually a plan, but that's something that I would like to see. That's yeah. my wish list. And I want to get better than eight <laughs> on the chart. Going for seven or above, everyone. That's what we're doing next year. Good stuff. Oh, yeah, I obviously agree with all of that. So uh, especially the last point. Uh, Lofty, have you got any sort of big wishes for next year? Oh, just to get the sport sort of back on a level footing and just, you know, get the public involved in it again. Um, I think my GBGB thing about the just the registration of dogs and just make it computerised, you know, it can't be that difficult now to keep filling in forms and having to go to racing offices and losing cards in the post and losing this and losing that. Come on, it's, 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 it's 2024. It's digital, you know. It, you know, I've got an 88-year-old mother-in-law who can use, use an iPhone. You know, surely someone at the GBGB can sit at the end of a computer and see that a, a registration's come through and it's been digitally processed and it's been digitally paid for, you know, and just send it back to the track and there we are, it's done. Not send it off. And has it got lost in the post? Where is it? I'll send another one. You know, that's not, it's not hard, is it? We, we, sure, we pay, you know, as owners, we pay our fees for a reason, don't we? So can we please use it a bit towards that? And Ryan, what are you fancy? Um, just little things like uh, all race replays to be made available straight after every race, not just uh, the SIS meetings, think mm. ARC um, meetings as well. It's, mm. You have to go back yourself how you want them replays. Um, I think that's show... in the pipeline, by the way. Um, Excellent. I think that's in the pipeline. I have to show replay as well of the race immediately after. So I think some SIS tracks do show replay after. Um, I think uh, they... they freeze frame and then they move on um i'd like a, a replay straight after the race uh cameraman following the dogs to the pickup uh i think that mm. rather than zone zoom out just focus on follow mm. the dogs at the pickup from a betting perspective and even if you've got a dog that you think might uh appreciate the step up i think that's key and then just one i don't know your thoughts on it but uh, I, don't, I don't know too much about it but um should the gbgb employ registered transporters who would be spread across uh, the UK. Um, it seems to be a topic that, obviously, looking at the outside, that really any man and his dog can transport a dog from Sal and then buy a search, so collect it and drop off. Should there be actual registered people uh, spread across the GBGB? So if you want to buy a dog, you want to transport a dog, you have to go through them. 
so it's easy to track where the dog leaves uh, its kennel and where it ends up. Well, that might be one of the solutions to the problem about, you know, the, the to where dogs are going and, and tracing them and going to foreign countries because there's no excuse and trainers have to be licensed. So, you know, transporters, should they have to have a license too? One thing I will say about that is, though, our jurisdiction stops at the border. So if they go to a different country... Mm. And then they get transported from there. It's not going to stop that issue. No, but you can only control the controllables, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, you know. But 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 with an issue like the exporting of dogs to China and, and whatnot, I mean, the GBGB and the IGB have to work together on that issue to stop 100%. it. Do you know what I mean? Because like you said, these loopholes and, you know, I don't know, we went to Ireland and then we, you know, we didn't do it. You know, that is not, an, they have to work together to stop it. It's no, no good just saying that it went to Ireland and there was this guy called, you know, Michael Flaherty and you know I don't know who he was I didn't see his passport and he you know the dog went missing it's not just not good enough it's not acceptable sorry to anyone called Michael Flaherty that is not involved in the uh, transportation or export of dogs to China I made that name up (laughs) thanks Joe but yeah, but but Ryan, to your point, I, I think, you know, surely, you know, these people should have a license. I mean, the trainers have to make sure their vans are up to a certain standard to take their dogs to and from the track as well. Do the transporters have to do the same? I don't know the answer. No, I don't either. If anyone does know the answer, let us know. So um, that's one of them. And then I'd also like, I know, I know it's tough, but some sort of different form of media um, outlet in the, uh, within the sport who cover different kinds of stories um, within the sport, more investiga- investigative um, journalism research, if I've said that right. Like uh, Greyhound Panorama? Sort of, yeah. Sort of, yeah, but, but not even like turning up like not like the, the bad side, just doing different perspective of news stories within the sport. Um, it just seems to be a bit of the same old at the moment. Um, so, yeah, it's just a bit, I think, they're, I think they're definitely a market for something new to happen in the sport and how it's reported on. Well, we mentioned Ground Weekly in the last podcast, which seemed to be doing a lot more, yeah. Um, And it's just like different people uh, writing about different aspects of the sport. So that's definitely a a positive for for sure. And, um, you know, as I said... the, the stuff I think the stuff RPG TV does with with like there's a Mark Wallace kennel visit that got released last night that's really good you know Hobbsy 40 minutes um, previewing the big events looking at the kennel and what they're doing you know these are really good and I hope there can be more of it now the um, you know Arc TRP Premier Ground Race you know I hope that they can do something similar with their resources and you know cameras and stuff as well as RPG TV to continue what what they do and, and make that content um, you know available. They are really good. Them, they're, honestly, they are spot on. The kennel visit they give such an insight into it. But then you could there are many people who, when they see that Mark Wallace kennel visit, they would ask, "Did you ask the question? Did you ask questions on certain topics?" Mm. Um, that kind of journalism, mm. which I think there's a place for, as opposed to like I said, me reading Dave Mitchell's tweets. Like I suppose to find out what happened, like you know things like that. Yeah, um, I think. I think when it comes to welfare and bang the drum, but you've got to be on the front foot and you've got to recognise that bad stuff is going to happen as it does in every walk of life, not yeah. just Graham. Yeah. It's not just yeah. Graham racing. Wherever there are people, some, you know, something bad could happen. So there's no point trying to cover it up or be silent about it. You've got to front foot it and say, this has happened. We found out it's happened and it's gone wrong. And this is what we're doing to make sure this doesn't happen again. Mm. Right. You know, you can't hide away from these things. This happened, you know, like the Gugain Jet thing and, 
Havana, Havana class. Was it? What did they say? They were doing an investigation in, in May, May or something. May and again, they might be working hard behind the scenes, like five days a week, and it might be really complicated. But again, you know, as stakeholders in the sport, and the fact that it, it from a perception point of view, looks terrible. What are the what are the milestones? What's happening? What you know? Keep us up to date with with what's happening, please, because this is this is a you know this is a big story and something that can't happen again. But you know, things, bad things happen and they will continue to happen, not just in yeah. ground racing. So there's no point trying to skirt over it. You need to, like the Re- Rebecca Perkins thing, it's happened. What is being done to ensure that something as disgusting as that does not happen again? Correct. On any kind of key topic or sensitive mm. topic, we're just giving a statement as our source, as our news. That's what I mean, yeah. We're give an opinion. We're just giving a, 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 a statement, that's it. So there's no follow-up questions to it. There's nothing. It's just like, this is what you get. We'll move on next day. Yeah. So we, well, I think you're doing a pretty good job of uh, advocating yourself to be our, our new investigative uh, journalist, Ryan. What do you reckon? Um, I think I will say, <laughs> the last time I tried that, just me, I, that old taking a break from doing that kind of stuff. Let me tell you now. <laughs> I think that yeah. we talk, we talk just on that point again, we talk about antis a lot, but nine times out of 10, we all want the same thing actually as the antis. We want better welfare. We don't want these horrible events to occur at all. The only difference is we want to improve welfare standards and they want to ban the sport. Yeah. Um, you know, which which we obviously don't agree with. But, um, you know, when it comes to welfare and better standards, we all want the same thing. And, and nine, again, nine times out of 10, all the information they get to, to beat the sport with is stuff that they get off us pro racers and they just steal our material and use it against the sport. You know, where, you know, it's us that, that want better and we're disgusted by these events as much as anyone else, you know, and this exporting to China and stuff is obviously in the spotlight. But, um, you know, at the moment, we... we we don't know what is being done to, to stop it. On that, yeah. on that positive note, <laughs> any more for any more? Lofty, Ryan, have you got anything else you want to say? Oh, not really. We could be here forever, couldn't we? But I mean, we, you know, we, we can put positive spins on the sport because there is some positivity when you go there and you see the big nights and how much you enjoy it. So let's look on those for 2024. You know, let's enjoy some more good nights and see the sport in a positive light. Make it about the dogs, I would say. That's exactly. I always say that the dogs are. The dogs are the stars. That's what they say. You make it about yeah. the dogs, not about. There the are dogs. many, many top dogs and great stories behind even your graded dogs. Make it about the dogs. The dogs uh, don't the know all these issues that we've been discussing on this podcast, do they? At the end of the day, all they want to do is chase and win <laughs> and run yeah. and, and and enjoy themselves on the track. And you know, we enjoy them doing it. And that's what this sport is all about, ultimately. And everything else in the background is frustrating. And we want things to be and be the best that they can be. But ultimately, on the track where it matters, you know, we're still, we've still seen some amazing grounds and some absolutely outstanding performances this year. And long may it continue into next year. We certainly have. And I'm just going to go over those again that we've had performances of 2023 because I think we need to end on a, a positive note and, and celebrating and championing the, you know, the champions of our sport. You know, Brady's Bullet, Lynx, Maverick. We've got Droopy's Clue, La Hill, Jess, Hollow Man. Uh, all the kings and queens pretty much because they're doing very very well Uh, lively lauren hollow um hollow man again we've got a couple of mentions law hill jess again galara ivy johnny whiskers you know you we have so many good stars space jet um no rush um crafty chavoo you know i'm just trying to pack as many in as i can Gay Time Nemo, of course, I don't think we've even mentioned the Greyhound Derby winner, but Gay Time <laughs> Nemo as well. And it's just absolutely, this sport is phenomenal. We just need a little bit of help in certain areas. 
but the dogs speak for themselves. And as long as we keep doing what we're doing and promoting the sport and promoting the dogs, hopefully we can turn this juggernaut around and it won't be like the Titanic slowly sinking somewhere. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed for 2024. I hope we have a, an absolutely super year and more champion greyhounds. Now, we've talked about what we want, of course, for 2024 and going forwards, but we've also got in the imminent future some cracking finals this weekend. Friday, of course, sees the Bet365 Challenge Cup final. Joe, I know you're going to be very excited about this one. Challenge Cup final, never heard of it. <laughs> yes, I am very excited. I'm excited now. I've been excited all week. Fourth Cat 1 final. I think we've got a good li- live chance um, should I say, but um, Havana Lover obviously has also been in tremendous form. She won the Hunt Cup earlier in the year over course and distance. Um, Havana Top Note broke the track record a few runs ago. Mini Bullet, she's been in so many finals and she's got the early pace. I'm not sure she sees the trip out the strongest, but she could. She gets loose and there's a bit of trouble in behind. She could She could certainly hold on and win and Mad for Sterling and Gutsy Jet will be finishing well at the end. And if either of them get a decent start, you know, they'll be... Uh, they'll you know, be tricky to beat because they do see the 650 out well. So, cracking final. I'll be there at Oxford. If anyone is there, come and say hello. Uh, Loft, are you going? We'll obviously be there as well. Yeah, standing there taking some money and they're taking be packed, some packed, I reckon. It should be a decent night. Yeah, um, it was pretty good the finals there last year. They, they weren't too bad at all. Yeah, and good luck with it. I mean, she's got a perfect job on the rails. I do a makeup again. She's got a lead too, isn't she? You want to see either of Rab Dogs fly out, particularly Havana Lover, who, you know, she's a. Uh, Sees his trip out and a bit stronger. She was very impressive when she led around in the uh, the second round. You know, she won the ledger last year over a bit further. But yeah, you look, you've got it. You've you've got every chance. You've got a fighting chance there on the rails. You've got your draw, haven't you? You know, she's proved a, a worth in Oxford many a times over four and six bends. And uh, yeah, the very very best of luck to you. I think you say you've certainly got a fighting chance. Get her out in front and then just see what happens in behind. Um, hopefully the weather will hold up all right. And there's no huge bias. It's a uh, weather forecast isn't too clever for tomorrow. So. The track might run a bit slow. It was very, very slow on the bags there on the Tuesday morning. So um probably won't want a slightly slower track. I mean, like, you know, I suppose it no. might favour being out in front on a slow track. There's some strong runners in the race, as you say, in the, you know, certainly in the shape of, uh, of Madford Sterling and Gutsy Jet, who wouldn't be the class you'd have thought on a faster track, but they'll, they'll certainly be stronger stars at some of the dogs in the race. But no, it's a, it's a good final. Exactly. Keeping an eye on the weather. Get them off the front fly. You don't care if it does a track record or whatever. But yeah, mate, the best well, well, the tr- you certainly deserve it for you anyway, won't you? Yeah. The track was slow. Um, Gutsy Jet nearly caught her, but obviously she was coming into fitness then as well. But she's just held on as well. And it was a very slow track last week. I do think in the semi-finals, it was favouring the wides over the insides mm. last Friday. Like looking at the results, obviously, I know there was one winner in track one and there was a cut- Lauren one in track two, obviously, and that. But generally, it was, looked like the wides were on top. So... Um, yeah, just, you know, it's, it's great to be in another final. It really is. Going out of the semi-finals is, is the worst stage. I mentioned before, like the, the ledger semi-final was, was horrendous. A hundredth of a second, that photo, and, and they are missing out. But, um, you know, fingers crossed, she's she's got a good chance. So, Danny and Ryan, you got any opinions on the race? You know, it's never even. I think you just win. Not like she deserves it, but I think you just win. Like, I think, I can't see a lot of being a length quicker than you to the bend. And if you get on the front, I can't see anything catching you. So, yeah, I'll be uh, cheering you on. But I, and I know it's not easy. Like, you probably don't want to hear that. But if I was just being a neutral and uh, just with the bed head on, 
I generally just think, yeah, lovely Lauren wins this race, draws win races, and she's perfectly drawn. Being drawn inside the two is key. Uh, and you've got that. Unless unless a three, Oxford now and again, you know, a dog may just take a random flyer out of nowhere and do some mad split. But in general, yeah, I think that, yeah, I just generally think you, you'll win, mate. I think it'll hopefully be a comfortable and not that. Yeah, so we'll be cheering you on, mate. Hundred percent agree. Um, I did my preview for William Hill, and she was my one. So, um, the fact that she's put in three of her four runs back since she had her break, and fifteen dead on the split, she's just so consistent. I mean, you can set your clock by her. She's got the draw. She's been, I think, better than ever since she's come back from a little break, and she's just she's an absolute credit to you so yeah all in on lively lauren that semi-final she won last week was very hot and she she mm. you know was in command quite early and and good she loves oxford so yeah fingers crossed and um you know well as i said come and say hello if you're there should the car the old card's really good um I, I had a quick look yesterday and it, you know there's some real good races especially early on there's a great puppy race um early on there's some good staying races for bends it's a it's a great card so it's um it should be a good night so talking about good racing as well, with a cracking card at Hove on Saturday, two really good finals. We've got the George Curtis and Ballyregan Bob Memorial Final, uh, where one Oa Smasher, two Swiper, three Droopies Clue, four Savannah Jazz, five Hacker Carlo and six Congeal Aussie. Well, they're basically playing for second place behind Droopies Clue, aren't they? Because this lad, he's just, he's just different gravy. I absolutely love watching him. He's a four bend speed. He's got the staying power. He's just sensational. And the times he's done in this competition, I mean, nobody else has broken um, in the actual comp, the 44-second barrier, and he's done it twice. So I just can't see him getting beaten. I did think over Smasher had a good chance on the inside because he's got one of the faster times overall, 44-40 last week, when he was five lengths down to Droopy's Clue. I think she's got a good draw on the inside over Smasher, so... Think she's going to go well, but you know it's all aboard Droopy's Clue, isn't it, Ryan? It is, yeah. Um, that I, you struggle to find any way really that Droopy's Clue gets beat. Um, Swiper on the inside, I think the Regency was showing fair, 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 yeah. decent amount of early pace. Swiper back then, but doesn't seem to have uh, had that blister in early uh, this time round. Yeah, the, the second that um. Clongill, Clongill Aussie was drawn that wide and outside Clue. It was just basically how far will Clue win. So I can't really see any reason why Clue doesn't come out. Is ahead by at worst a second bend. And then it's just a case of what time. If the track's running well, then yeah, you imagine that Clue will put down a real, really good time. Uh, and then it's just a case of then what's going to finish second. And yeah, you imagine if the early, early pace dogs don't lead, then that will just fall into own Smash's hands. So yeah, barring uh, Clue doing something tragic out uh, at the boxes, uh, you, you can't really look past Clue. And yeah, get put up over Smasher um, for the forecast, really. Probably be your favourite forecast, but that's probably where you get your value from. Or you double up Lauren and Clue. <laughs> Bit of value there. Lofty, how do you see it? You try it, obviously. Yeah, I know you nah. like to try and take them on, but I can't see him. No, nah, very difficult, Daniel, as you say. I mean, he's a kiddie's deal, he's trapping usually, but this the 740 with a long run to the quarter as well, you know, he can show his speed. I mean, he proved that in the, the ledger final when he wasn't really trapping, but his EP was getting in front of the corner. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm going back to Shelburne, I remember seeing him run Night of Stars night, but he actually got knocked over at the bend. He got beat, he got beat four legs by some dogs. 
and a couple of the Irish lads there were like, my God, the first time I've always seen him in the flesh, it was like, that was ridiculous, you know, what would he have done? Um, maybe in hindsight, I'd have run him over the 850, that would have been, whatever that works out in metres, about 770, it would have been as far as he'd ever gone, but with a proper long run, the bend, that might have suited him, but no, I mean, he's... Uh, as, as, as actually as Ryan said earlier on, he's um Swiper has got a bit of earlier, did show her, didn't she? Didn't he rather when he was running the um the Regency, but should lead that to the corner. I'm gonna go with Hacker Carlo for the forecast. Another dog I like. He has some pretty decent form in Ireland. Certainly gets his trip all right. I just think um he might get first run on our smasher uh, for the forecast material on the uh, on the inside. But no, Droopy's clear, he's one of the stars of the sport and um very, very hard to see him being turned over real on his home track. Jeff? Yeah, agreed. Nothing much to add. Droopy's clue, two to seven, and he's um, <laughs> unlikely he's going to find any trouble. I just, you mentioned Swiper, obviously, he was runner up in a Regency, had a ding dong battle with Lauren. Uh, to the first bend, Lauren won won the battle, but didn't win the war because Swiper actually uh, managed to get a back past her to 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 nick second in the Regency final. So he's fifty to one at the moment. So in terms of a a forecast, I thought maybe that might be just a, a speculative one at a big price because if he can get loose on the front, you know, I expect Droopy's clue to be too strong, but he might hold out to the to the line to get second at, at the big odds. So uh, that that would probably be the play for me but I'm enjoying it so I'm looking forward to seeing Drooper's clue run again and you know hopefully win another category one final for, for as I said earlier probably one of my favourite dogs in, in training right now and we've not only got the um, final we just mentioned but the Coral Olympic final as well which sees King Memphis never say no King Coombs new in Sid wasted Monday and Hollow Man who was one of the highlights of the uh, or performances of 2020 Formers of 2023. I'll get it right at some point. I was thinking King Coombs for this for me. The way he ran last week, I thought, what a dog. You know, it was quite goosebumpy uh, for me. And he recorded a good time. He got into a little bit of trouble. He was last turning for the second um, into the back straight. And the ground he made up, I know he won by three quarters of a length, but the ground he made up, he's value for a bit more for me. So King Coombs, I thought, you know, you can back him each way. You can chuck him in your forecast and try cast. But he, for me, I, I've actually backed him um, because I'm finally putting my money where my mouth is sometimes in these big finals. And King Coombs would be my um, my pick, Joe. Well, I am on uh, Wasted Monday each way, anti-post. Um, I, what a dog, you know, great dog, especially around Hove. Really good, but probably just, you know, slightly... But top class, but slightly below, you know, your, your your top top class A1. I say I say A1. I shouldn't use that term in ground racing, should I? But um, you know what I mean. You know, King Memphis, who's been awesome. Hollow Man, who's a special dog. New in Sid Eclipse winner. King Coombs. You know what a final this is. You know, absolutely tremendous race. I cannot wait. I'm not going to have another bet because I'm going to hope that Wasting Monday can can ping out and, and make all. You know, certainly got the ability to to win this. But I think. I, I, you know, New and Sid maybe not got the best draw. He's going to have to ping out, but is capable. Hollow Man, I think, probably has been showing the best early. And, and for me, you know, 11 to 4 versus 6 to 4 King Memphis probably would be the bet. And I think, you know, I'd probably lean towards Hollow Man. But, but any of these dogs c- can win. Never say no probably is slightly up against it, you know, compared to the others. But I'm just, as I said, I'm not going to have another bet. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to enjoy it. What a way to end the year at Hove because this is one of the best finals of the year, I think. Ryan, what do you reckon? Um, I think the draw wins King Memphis the race. Uh, 
it, I'm just going to echo what you said. It's this is a top quality final. Um, all dogs worthy in there. Hollow Man is probably your elite, New City elite. Uh, King Combs, I think you'd probably be seeing over further top end. Um, never say no, good dog. And King Memphis, obviously, we know how fast he is. Track record holder at Toaster. Um, I think the King Combs, based on what you said, Danny, I think for three to win, he has to miss it. I hope that New Sid leads King Memphis probably half a length. Uh, a little bit of trouble, which we don't want, obviously, but a little bit of bunching and then three just to try and turn as freely as possible to maybe then get after a new in Sid. Uh, I think if King Memphis wants to come away level, then, yeah, it is race over because I don't think there's a dog as fast as this in the country uh, over a strong uh, four bends. Hollow Man, I, I just don't, I just struggle to see him clearing all five dogs on his inside. I like Hollow Man to do that because I put him up in a tipping competition anti-post. Uh, but, yeah, I just think that um, it's the, the draws been racing and King Memphis is just perfectly drawed. I think it'll lead one up. You'll definitely need three. I think he'll get inside New and Sid by halfway down the back, and that'll be that. Uh, if there is a little bit of trouble, though, and New and Sid was to lead, then, yeah, he might be a bit vulnerable then to a strong one like three. Um, but, yeah, really, really good race. Uh, my mini would be on one. So I might actually do a little trouble there, actually. Memphis, Clue and Lauren, I think. Anti-post treble. There you go. You've heard it here on the Guns to the Dogs podcast first. Lofty? I totally agree. I think with uh, what Ryan said there, draws win races. I just think King Memphis has got the right draw here. Dog, obviously, I saw quite a bit of when Oxford in the um, puppy collar around there. And he, yeah, he was desperate and lucky in the final. We got knocked from all over the show at the corner and did a hell of a lot of running and still nearly caught a long fellow who won in a pretty decent time that night. And that, that was certainly his night. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan also, say, a hollow man. We just seen what he did around Romford earlier in the year, you know, in that champion stakes. And, well, you know, what a, what a competition that was. But no, I just think. He's got some proper fast dogs at this 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 year, Reb. I mean, like probably some dogs that I've never you know never seen before. And I mean, it's a long way off yet the Derby in June, but at the moment it'd certainly be my idea the Derby winner as well, King Memphis. And it's good to see this five one five chip at Hope being used as well. You know, it's it's tragedy underused. They use it for the the Sussex Cup and the Olympic. And you know, I'm a fan of the old days of seeing it over the uh, the standard chip as well. They went back to that five hundred for a while, and it's five one five is a proper trip, especially in Grand Race and. And it's just good to watch, you know, good dogs in full flight around Hove. So, no, I'm a big fan of King Memphis. And I think being boring, sticking on the fence, going with a favourite. But I find him seeing hard to be getting beat. I think he's the best dog in the country, certainly over a, a strong four bends. Looks that to be a fascinating uh, contest. A great night's action at home as well on Saturday. Really good supporting card, full of opens, plenty of puppies, stayers, hurdles, you name it. They've got everything on Saturday. So, if you can get down, get down and watch these superstars in action. If you can't, then just support support the sport. And hopefully we'll have tipped you a few winners and maybe a treble from Ryan as well. But it's going to be a super duper weekend. And um, yeah, I can't wait to strap in and watch it all. I think that's everything. I think we're I think done. That, I think that's everything for 2023, Danny. That's a wrap. <laughs> Series oh one. Series one of Gone to the Dogs podcast is done. So well, uh, on YouTube, by the way. Uh, yeah, really fair good. play. If that's what you're doing, and I hope I only wish that you get support that you need going forward. And yeah, I hope it keeps going on bigger and better things. Thank Thanks. you. Well done. Well, imagine a very selfless task what you do at the moment. So well done. Well, look, look, on that note, thanks to you guys for joining us on this one and previous podcasts. Thanks to all the people that have joined us, Danny and I, this year. Um, the guests. The guests make it, you know, we've had some amazing interviews and guests, obviously talking about betting over the Derby, 
you know people giving up their time to join us on this podcast that's what makes it so thanks to everyone and thanks to everyone that's listened because if no one listened we wouldn't bother doing it it would be completely <laughs> pointless and you know the, the the ratings and the feedback that we get on social media and the engagement and all that sort of thing you know that means a lot and that's why we do it isn't it Danny it is yeah so I echo everything Joe just said thank you so much for joining us everybody that has over 2023 because we just simply could not do it without you because otherwise it would just be me and Joe talking to each other and quite frankly we do that 10 minute intro at the beginning sometimes we, we just want to cut it out but you know nobody would want to listen to an hour and a half of just me and Joe waffling on each other so everybody that's joined us thank you so much over the last year and if you can like us subscribe review whatever I am doing the whole sales pitch of that because it that helps us massively and it helps people find it it helps people maybe that don't have a clue about what we do find it on the different charts and things so please please if you have enjoyed what we've done like subscribe review thanks again uh lofty and ryan for joining us on our final podcast of 2023 thanks gents and we'll see everyone back on the 19th of january with kevin boothby Thanks for listening to Gone to the Dogs, released every other Friday. For more info or to reach out on Twitter, follow at Totally Betting and at Danny V. Jackson. Podcast produced and edited by Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Voiceover by Katie Harvey.